Proverbs 12, verse number 12. <clears throat> we left off on Wednesday night talking about how the, the wicked, the world out there, have all kind of ways of trapping people and snaring people and getting you boxed up and hindering you from doing what you need to do. And then we get to verse number 12 and it says that the wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. There are evil men out there and they have a net and that net is for catching, that net is for trapping, that net is for oppressing, uh, that'll show up again after a while, and wicked people desire that net so they can do the same thing. That shows you what's in the heart of somebody that's wicked. They want to mess up other people. <laughs> uh, turn to Psalms 10, Psalms chapter number 10. Verse number one. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Boy. That's, that's, that's the psalmist wondering where God's at and why he ain't helping him. <laughs> Isn't that reality? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. There comes your evil men. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boast of his, of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. That's how a wicked person thinks. I'm not ever going to have any problems. His mouth is full of, of cursing and deceit. There's something to be said for negative thinking. The wicked is the positive thinker. You see it in that verse? He just thinks everything's going to be all, okay all the time. I'm never going to be in adversity. <laughs> and it's, it's healthy to realize bigger and better troubles on the horizon. And I know God's people don't want to hear that, but that's the reality of life, okay? His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the, in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. See that thing? He's got a net. And it's there for the purpose of catching people. Trapping people. Oppressing people. Stepping on people to get up a little bit higher yourself. That's the way of the world. 
He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten, he hideth his face, he will never see it. He, he's, he's, it's ungodliness. He lives like there ain't, any, ain't a God. And what you and I should do is, is have fear of God. And whether you want to or not, treat other people right. You understand? <laughs> I mean, it's all through the Psalms. Look at Psalms 31. Psalms 31 and verse number 4. This thing about a net. And you need to be aware of it. It's out there. And it'll get thrown over you from time to time if you're not careful. <clears throat> like I said Wednesday night, the... the the biggest net in America that this just blatantly obvious is modern day advertising. <laughs> and it traps people. It puts people into bondage. Look at Psalms 31.4. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. There's, there's David praying to God, hey, okay, I'm in this net, pull me out of it. They, they have... They've laid it down privily for me. So you just keep in mind there are people out there that have nets. And they want to trap you. Turn over to Psalms 35 and verse number 7. For without cause, see they don't even have to have a reason for it. For without cause have they hid from me their net in a pit which without cause they have digged for my soul. <laughs> I mean, the picture is they dug a hole. D do you realize they go to a lot of trouble to do this? <laughs> it, the picture is they dig a hole and lay this, uh, they hid this cover over it like a net, and then you walk over it and you fall in the pit, and the net gets you. <laughs> Look at Psalms 57. In verse number six, they have prepared a net for my steps. You understand your steps? That's the way that you're walking. That's the path that you're on. And right in the, right in the path that you're on might be the right path that you're on. They've, they've laid a net right there to get you. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are following themselves. See law. Uh, one more time, Psalms 140 and verse number 5. It's all through the Psalms about how men lay nets for other people with the express purpose of oppressing them, pushing them down, trapping them, putting them into bondage. Any religion that puts you into bondage is not of God. You understand Jesus came to set at liberty? He came to set at liberty those? <clears throat> Psalms 140, verse number 5, The proud have hit a snare for me. See that snare? And cords, that's to, that's to tie somebody up. They have spread a net. There it is again, by the wayside. They have set gins for me. See law. 
Well, you, you need to be aware of that. There's, there's nets out there by evil men. I mean, and the, the wicked are desiring those nets of evil men. Why? So they can do the same thing. So there's, there's a lot of them out there. And their heart's bad, and they have a desire to just mess other people up and trap them. Uh, something that's interesting, turn, turn to the book of Habakkuk. That's one of them minor prophets that's hard to find for me, but left of Matthew a little ways, you'll find the book of Habakkuk. Right after Nahum. Before you get to Zephaniah. Look at Habakkuk 1 and verse number 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. I mean, he's saying that God put those wicked people out there to correct his people. Thou art of pure eyes and to behold evil. Canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest my tongue? Holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. Again, he's just like in, just like in the Psalms. He's saying, you, you're, holding, you're holding your tongue when the wicked's doing me wrong. He's like, where are you at, God? How come you ain't helping me out? And make us men as the fishes of the sea. You see that? As the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They, took up, they take up all of them with, an, with the angle. That's where you get the, these, these fishermen, they call them anglers, bass fishermen. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. They've made a lot of money by catching people in their net. Shall they therefore empty their net and, and not spare, continue to slay the nations? <laughs> now, you know what's interesting about that? I got a date of 626 B.C. on that writing. What if that's prophecy about the internet? <laughs> Doesn't it catch men? Doesn't it bind people up? See what I mean? Interesting, they call that thing internet, isn't it? It says there that it, that it, it makes, there is some wealthy people because of that internet, you know? That's what that thing is talking about. In fact, it made them so wealthy, they're worshiping the thing. What if somewhere out there in the future, they're bowing down and calling that thing God and worshiping it, that whole internet thing? What if that's prophetic of what's coming up possibly in the tribulation period or before? There's already people that practically worship it Come on now. 
they call they used to call that thing an uh, electronic leash. <laughs> That's what they used to call a beeper. Anybody remember beepers? <laughs> I used to wear one. Then I stepped up and got me a car phone. It, you'd have to put an antenna on your top of your car and hold your tongue a little bit to the left before you could get good reception. But <laughs> then now look what we got. Look, see how the thing has grown in the past few years. Would you admit that it's got you? It's trapped you. I will. I check it periodically throughout the day. I didn't 30 years ago. Right? <laughs> and all this social media and all this stuff on the internet. and all, I mean, people are... It has people in bondage. You understand? Like it trapped them. There's people addicted to it. I've read stuff on that thing. It's... it's, it's it's more addictive. That it, it somehow releases dopamine on your brain with this pleasure you get from just checking your face plan or whatever or your email. And it, that, that's why it's so addictive. I say it's more addictive than cocaine. That's what I read someplace. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was interesting in the back of I mean, the, the, the thing has, has prospered people so much, they're sacrificing under their net, verse 16. They're worshiping it, burning incense unto it, under their drag. It's, it's likening to, it ain't just catching one or two. You understand a drag behind a, a boat? I mean, Gabe's gone out shrimping before where they take those, Nets and, and put them down, and I've watched that stuff on TV. That stuff interests me, and drag those nets across the bottom of the ocean floor. And man, they just come up and they're just packed full of stuff. <laughs> He's, that's what. It, that's the way the internet is. You understand? It catches a bunch of people. Now, look back at that verse: "The wicked desire after the net of the evil." But, but here's the opposite opposite side. The root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The root. What is that? Isaiah 53. And this is all through the Bible too. We'll just look at a few references. Isaiah 53. Do you remember in the parables in the Gospels about the sower went forth to sow and they sow in the word of God? And it gives you four different responses to the word of God. And one of them it says, They that own the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root. Which for a while believe and after a time of temptation fall away. And it says in the book of Matthew. And have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. And it says in our verse now in, in Proverbs. The root of the righteous yield a fruit. And what he's talking about in those passages in the Gospels is, if it falls on a good heart, they'll, it, they'll receive the Word of God, it gets in a good heart, and then it produces fruit at different levels, some 30, some 60, some 100, like that. 
So it's, it's dependent upon that good heart and, the, and that root producing the fruit. He says in Matthew, they had no root in themselves and so endure but for a time after when affliction or persecution ariseth. Listen now. For the word's sake, immediately they're offended. That's what gets people. They don't understand that the word of God tries people. I'm going to preach about it in a few minutes. And it tests people out. And I hate to say it, but it's just reality. It's just true. That's, that's God. That's what he does. He just, he just not in a big hurry to do anything. <laughs> and in saying that, you realize I believe he's right on time. But it, by, our, by the way we measure things, we think, it, you see, we've already run across it twice in our Sunday school lesson today. David in the Psalms and Habakkuk both. Where are you at, God? See? <laughs> and it says because they don't have no root in them, they get offended, get mad at God, and then they quit. And they forget about the, they forget about the testing and the trying. Now, I told you to turn to Isaiah 53, look at verse number 2. For he, that's Jesus Christ, that's prophecy on the Messiah, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root, see that? Out of dry ground, he hath no, no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Obviously, that whole chapter is about Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53. And you remember, that's where Peter, excuse me, Philip preached to the Ethiopian eunuch out of Isaiah 53, the gospel. And right there he says he's like as a root. Uh, it says in the book of Hosea, Ephraim, that would be Israel, is smitten. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. I'm just trying to show you in the Bible that root is absolutely essential for bearing fruit. A tree, a tree can't grow and bear fruit if the roots are gone, Right? You got to have a good root system to get fed and all that stuff. And Jesus said one time, "You I mean except you abide in the vine, you're not going to produce any fruit." I mean, you, we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the Word of God. Apart from that, you're not going to be producing any fruit. Uh, turn to, turn to Romans chapter number fifteen. Romans 15, verse number 12. And again, Isaiah saith, this is Paul quoting Isaiah in another place other than Isaiah 53. There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him, see it's a person, shall the Gentiles trust. Again, a prophecy of Jesus Christ, and he's called the root of Jesse. He's called the root of David in the book of Revelations. I mean, up, they're up in heaven. They're saying uh, the root of David had prevailed to open the book in Revelation chapter number 5 and verse number 5. So that root is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory that Paul writes about. And you need that if you're going to produce the fruit. And that's the opposite of being somebody that's wicked desiring this net of evil men. Uh, you, remember what he, you remember what he said, what he told the disciples, that whole parable, we looked at it a few weeks ago, about abiding in Christ. 
And if you don't abide in Christ and abide in his words, you can't, I mean, you need the Bible and you need the Lord Jesus Christ in order to produce fruit. Otherwise, you'll be just like an unsaved person that all they care about is oppressing other people. <laughs> We're new creatures now, right? We've been called on to be like Jesus Christ, not oppress other people, not trap other people, not spread a net for them. It's the net we would spread for them is to catch men so we can get them saved, right? And then minister to them and serve them, not oppress them. That's the opposite side. Remember what Jesus told Peter and James and John? He's out there fishing, throwing a net, catching fish. He's actually on the bank mending their nets. And he told them to go out there and catch some, and they did. And they come back, he says, from henceforth you're going to catch men. See? We're supposed to catch men with a net. But this is the net we're supposed to use. You see the difference? And it's, and it's not to... To bind them up is actually to set them free and help them get out of the net. That's why it says, but the root of the righteous yield a, yield a fruit. And the fruit will be men in the context. Uh, back to Proverbs 12. Verse number 13. The wicked is snared. They show us a lot of traps in this passage, in there? <laughs> the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. Notice, notice your lips can sin. See that transgression? That's sin. And it's words that you speak. And it can snare you, as in trap you, as in bind you up. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse number 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. Isn't that heavy? Every idle word. I mean, the way you talk matters. The words that come out of your mouth matter. Uh, Look back at Proverbs chapter number 6. It says the wicked is snared by words that he speaks, specifically words that are transgression, sinful. Look, look, look at the illustration in Proverbs 6, verse number 1. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. See, the words that he spoke to that guy snared him. He says, I'm going to be surety for you. I'm going to prop you up. I'm going to, I'm going to secure this loan for you and uh, stick my neck out for you. He says, when you did that, you snared yourself. Uh, look at Luke 19. Luke 19 and verse number Now, I said Wednesday night was fixing to get into a bunch of passages that had to do with our speech and our words. And I said that words are very, very powerful for good or for bad. 
Luke 19, 22, and he saith unto them, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. In other words, that's the, the master there heard his words, and he says, I'm going to use those words against you. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did, did not sow. He said, by your own mouth I'm going to judge you. He was snared by the words of his mouth. He said, he said those things about, about his master, which is what led him to sin, not be a good servant. He says, that, that's what I'm going to use against you. Do you know what it says in Ecclesiastes? If you go in your bedchamber, now you'd think that your bedchamber is a pretty private place, right? See, if you go in your bedchamber, he says, curse not the king in the bedchamber. Well, what would be wrong with that? <laughs> he says, that which hath wings will tell the matter. He goes on to say, don't even think about it. I mean, that thing, say, that thing in Ecclesiastes says that there's unclean spirits around where you think you're in private and you're saying words. They hear it and they'll go tell it. And the devil will go, and, and it'll snare you. The devil will take that information and go to God and accuse you before God with it. Did you hear what he said, Lord? You see what I mean? You see how your words matter? I mean, after looking at this, I thought, you know, you might want to work on just being quiet. <laughs> just controlling your speech. It's a pretty big deal. Look at Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes 5, 2. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. See? Words can be iniquity, sinful. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore, see that angel? Listening? Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? So you've got to be careful what you say. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips. But the just shall come out of trouble. In the context, that's come out of trouble that's, that's caused by your lips, see? I mean, the just don't always come out of trouble. You understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes the trouble overcomes the just. Again, that's just reality. So in the context, he's talking about being, not getting snared by the words of your mouth. Look at the next verse, Proverbs 12, 14. Again, got to do with speech. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth 
and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. So good is the, right, is the payment you get for right words and right speech. See it? He'll be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Turn, turn a page ahead and look at Proverbs 13. It's in there again. Verse number 2. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. So bad comes to the way of somebody that's sinning with his mouth. Good comes when the fruit of his mouth is right. It's again in Proverbs 18. Turn over there. It's all through here. This should be an admonition to us to watch what we say. <laughs> you know? Proverbs eighteen twenty. You say, why? Because God's listening. And the devil's listening. See? And it can be used against you. Proverbs eighteen twenty: A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. That implies you get fed good food if your speech is right. I mean, the, the fruit of your mouth matters greatly. Can you see that from those, those passages? Uh, when Jesus said every idle word that man shall speak, that should give account thereof on the day of judgment, the verse preceding that is, is, is I mean, Matthew twelve thirty five says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. He's talking about words because the next verse says every idle word that man shall speak. He goes on and says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. See how important words are? See how important your speech is? The way you answer a matter, the way you speak up? You know one of the the hardest verse in the Bible for me. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. And when when you're when you're complaining, that's coming out of your mouth. God hears that. It makes him mad. He just killed a bunch of children of Israel for it. Twenty or thirty thousand <laughs> for murmuring and complaining. And here we are, we're spoiled, rotten Americans, and we still murmur and complain. And those are, those are a lot of times words coming out of our mouth. You understand? And he deals with us accordingly. Uh, right there is Psalms 34. Just below that it says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days? Well, who don't want that? We desire to live, right? He's talking about real living and loving many days. I mean, having a bunch of good days in our life instead of bad days, right? Love of many days, not hating our days. The next verse says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. <laughs> That's how you do it. 
because the words that we speak matter. Because people, there's things you can't see that are listening and get used against you. You understand? If you, you, ever, you ever spoke some guile against somebody in secret? The next time you run up against that person, you could sense the tension there. Almost as if somebody told them what you said. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? No, I don't guess so. Is that just me? And even some of the words that come out of their mouth, you're thinking to yourself, did they hear what I said? Well, no, they didn't. But some unclean spirit did. You see what I mean? I mean, I'm reading from Psalms 34, but Peter applies that thing in 1 Peter 3 in the New Testament. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. That thing is echoed from Isaiah 3. I, when I read that, I thought, well, this guy's been reading his Bible. Look, look at Isaiah 3 in verse number 10. Isaiah 3.10, Say ye to the righteous that it should be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. See that reward of his hands? I mean, God, God deals with a man according to his heart. And his heart is what's responsible for his words and his actions. You understand? I... I, the Lord, search the hearts and try the reins to give every man according to his deeds, according to his works. And you get out of the heart of the issues of life. You understand? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, our actions and our words are a reflection of what's in our heart, and that's how God deals with us. You understand? So you can save yourselves from trouble you can get re- recompense from God when, you're, when the things that are going on in your life are right. There's something to be said for just doing right and speaking right. And the opposite is true as well. He's, he's the author and finisher of our faith, right? He's working our lives, right? He's trying us out all the time, right? And if we stand in need and correction, he'll send it our way. And it's, a lot of times that's by the words of our mouth and, and because that's a reflection of what's in our heart. Uh, for example, look at Romans 2. Verse number one, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou judgest, 
for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them that which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, Look at see verse number 6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? God deals with us because of our heart. <laughs> the heart treasures up unto thy see? When our heart ain't... He's saying to the, that church at Rome, he's just explaining this stuff, that God deals with the man after his actions, his thoughts, his speech, because that's the reflection of what's in our heart. The Bible has a great deal to say about the tongue. You know what I mean? You get over in the book of James and it's heavy. He likens it to, uh, he said, well, you know, we can tame animals and all kind of wild beasts, but you can't tame the tongue. And it's something that we ought to work on. Words, our, our speech, learn to control it. All right. I'm going to stop early. The next verse in Proverbs says, uh, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. <laughs> There's another verse that says, Every man is right in his own eyes. <laughs> but then the next part of that thing says that we ought to receive counsel. And you're doing the right thing, coming to Sunday school and letting this preacher try to counsel you from God's words and take reproof and take rebuke. That's the wise. They said, that's, said a person's wise to do that. I mean, there's a certain amount of wisdom associated with, with uh, just coming down here and opening the Bible. And let somebody open the Bible and say, this is what God says you're supposed to do. And this is what God says you're not supposed to do and take that counsel. A fool just says, I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. I'm right. Everything I'm doing is right and can't be corrected. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> I'm going to stop right there because I told myself I'm going to start trying to stop early so we can start church on time. Any questions or comments about words and speech? And evil men laying traps and snares for you. <laughs> All right, we'll pick it up there on Wednesday night. Take a few minutes break.